and welcome to episode 367 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. No Jack again this week. He's celebrating his birthday for what feels like the third time this month. And we also know what happened to those boys in blue. Not sure they're connected, but I can't rule it out. We'll get into the clash that took place near the top of the table with City and Liverpool. We'll get into the heroics of Kai Lucas Havertz at the Brentford Community Stadium. The third loss on the spin for the manager of the month, Ange Postacoglu. The goal of the season contender scored by Alejandro Garnacho, And the rest of the shenanigans that took place this weekend. TK, how are we doing today? If you're educated, I now know Kai Havertz's middle name. Hey. I didn't know until today. I had a feeling that may be new knowledge for you as well. If you want uh, an introduction, I've told you what direction the introduction nearly went in. (laughs) It also nearly went where uh, I took you down a setup about the goal of the season and say, but enough about Kai Havertz's goal, Alejandro Garnaccio. If you'd said it, Michael Alise, I'd have gone with you. No, because I do have a question on that because I can tell you now, when Match of the Day said at the start, and a goal of the season contender. I'd seen Elise's goal, and I didn't even consider that could be what they were talking about. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, let's start with Man City against Liverpool. Fair to say this won't go down as a game to remember come the end of the season. A game in which both sets of players have conceded that they weren't at their best. Neither manager risked too much to try and steal the game. And there's only really one moment of contention for us to uh, pick apart. Still, though, let's start with the kickoff time. The early kickoff after an international break is never pretty, let alone when so many South Americans are going to be featuring in it. No, no. Um, Klopp said last month, how can you put a game like this at Saturday on Saturday at 12.30? The people making these decisions, they cannot feel football. It's just not possible. Now, the people that weren't feeling it in this case were the Greater Manchester Police. Sky wanted this at 5.30 on Saturday, which is a nice time unless you're the one playing in it, I would say. Yeah, I mean, definitely not nice if you're policing it, I would imagine. (laughs) 5.30 Saturday night, giving them all day. Used to love that slot when we only had Satanta Sports and didn't have Sky. So if your team were in that one, then it was great. And I've referenced this before, won't mean anything to anyone but Arsenal fans. There was a spell of like three Saturdays in a row where Bentner scored like a last minute winner. It was against like Hull, Villa or someone like that. And uh, Call him Mr. Satanta. <laughs> exactly. Buncey used to frequent uh, Satanta, didn't he? This, I mean, yeah, that's where some of his <laughs> infamous clips are on. So maybe um, the reason why they torpedoed. Yeah, the 12.31 here, was it? I know it's not going to be any more training slots for the South Americans when they get back. They get back, and I think Luis Diaz said he was falling asleep in Klopp's pre-game meeting, which might be why he wasn't starting. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to start, Luis, but did notice you drifting off that. You're hooked. Um, yeah, a, a rough one. It. I didn't expect it to be a fantastic game, largely just because of the way Man City have approached these games, other than when they've played Chelsea this season. Yeah. It was the most 12-30 of 12-30 games. Yeah. Some of them looked a little bit jet-lagged. As as was warned, really, wasn't it? It's kind of... I don't necessarily know that Klopp's motivation is, I want the Premier League to have the best product. I think that's probably a bit of a false. (laughs) But 
if you do want it to have the best product, you wouldn't put this game at 12.30 uh, after an international break. Well, Wenger, who was not shy to moaning either, he was asked about it and he said, I can't honestly sit here and tell you that an extra hour and 40 minutes the players have before they get ready for their three o'clock game makes that much of a difference. Mm. And The Athletic did a piece looking into it after what Klopp said and typically the 12.30 slot actually gives you more goals on average than any other time fixture. So they didn't break it down by three o'clock, five o'clock. It was just games played at three o'clock on average, right. uh, 12 o'clock, sorry, on average more than uh, the rest of them. This season though, that isn't the case. And so yeah, it feels like we've had some bad early kickoffs this year. Probably the added international games, we do play the the scheduling of them. And, and our record is pretty bad on them individually. As, as a club, we spoke, didn't we, good. that no matter what, Klopp says, and this time he was very keen this week to be saying, oh, I'm not going to, I love the 12.30 kickoff. It's got to be in his players' heads because he's made such a thing of it previously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, he said in the post-match, said, am I allowed to mention about the kickoff time? So I think he kind of knows, he kind of knows how he's viewed. I saw a stat also that in the 2013-14 season, 41% of the goals we conceded came in the early kickoff. <laughs> That's mad. In the early kickoffs that season, which will make it a lot more sense now, we had a 6-3 loss to City. We had a 6-0 loss to Chelsea. <laughs> and it was like a 4-1, 4-0 loss to Liverpool, I think, all in the Jesus, all in the 12-30 slot. So oh, that would have been, what, Skirtle? It's 13-14, is that where Skirtle scores like two headers in the first? Yeah, I didn't like, think that was an early kickoff, though. It, it was, because uh, I remember being at my okay, dad's because um, he left his own house because of how I was reacting to the games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we basically had the game done in the first 15, 20 minutes, didn't we? Yeah, and the 6-0, nice. si- was it Wenger's whatever game? And um, at 6-0, I thought, and the first time I'd ever bet against my own team, they're obviously scoring again, and they didn't even do that. So I didn't even win so my money there. Um, yeah, the City won, I think from memory is probably one of them where 6-3 flattered us like a couple they've had against United mm-hmm. yeah so. your dad leave his own house yeah <laughs> <laughs> we we had the Villa game last year and it is great when you can win that 12-30 game and then you're going to kick back for the weekend and go cheers this, yeah. is, this is nice but even with um, the additional ways to watch games now the 3 o'clock was almost uh the stress was there, but not quite the same. Like you were slightly removed from it. You're watching it on yeah. Teletext or the BBC Live Tracker. Now the fact that we can see everything, it's not that much different. But it did also mean everybody else wasn't watching. So you didn't have the focus everyone else, it felt like. No one else, if you didn't follow the team, you're not streaming it or whatever. So almost like, yeah, like Chelsea getting dipped by Newcastle. So kind of like it happened, but a little bit lower key than it would have been. I really wish WhatsApp would change their features that you can have a chat archive, but if you get added, you can still see it because you can mute just about everything. And I know that people will say, well, just don't look at your phone. Trying to stream a game and people start adding you because your team's behind or something. <laughs> Incredibly irritating. Harper was doing it the other week and I said, do you not think I might be watching it? <laughs> like when you're messaging me immediately as the goal's gone in. What you did to Connor Palmer means our uh, <laughs> sympathy is limited here. Um, yeah, my final question was going to be, do you like the 12.30 kickoff? When I spoke to another Liverpool fan in the week, I said that, you know, I hate the 5.30 one. 
and he said, well, I imagine that Klopp and most Liverpool fans would probably swap with you if they could. I don't know which you prefer, if you have a preferred kickoff slot. A nice Sunday two o'clock for me is... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the dream one, isn't it? Uh, it? That depends, again, who you're playing, though. We said, you know, away at Brentford at 5.30 is a different thing. I'd rather take the early kickoff against them, even if it's a dross game. I thought about that about 10 minutes in, because I remember us having a chat about it on a bank holiday, I believe it was, after mm. we'd beaten Brentford last year and... We were asking whether that was. Yeah, you <laughs> don't want to lay on there or Palace, whatever. Try and get a nice... You want it to be daylight hours, basically. Make sure it's daylight. Um, yeah, the, the 12.30, the games just don't quite have the same intensity. You know, even you know Pep trying to get say get the crowd going. It's like, well, some of them probably only been awake a couple of hours. It's, it's Saturday. Like, they haven't had enough... No. They haven't got the beers down. Them. It's, I know it's not always a great atmosphere. There. I didn't think it was that bad. City fans... He's asking for a lot. City fans hate it when you bring up their atmosphere, but the the chief person that drives that narrative is their manager. I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> like, they can't really go in on anyone criticising their atmosphere when their own manager is fuming at them. <laughs> I said, I thought they were actually a decent atmosphere the first half, second half, not really. But, oh well. Yeah, when when we went um, last season, I thought it was a bit overstated. Like I saw people afterwards saying it's like the best atmosphere they'd had there, and if it was, then tough. <laughs> That's <yeah>. rough. <laughs> but also, I wasn't in the mood for soaking up the atmosphere, no. so maybe I was giving it a hard time. Someone who didn't travel well, um, it's not actually used to playing internationally, was uh, Allison Edison. Like many Man City players, decided to have this international break off. Um, Erdogan had this one off. Very rare for him. Haaland must have just about every international break off, or if there's two games, he at least takes one of them off. And were you surprised at all to see literally every player that was an injury scare be back in, yeah. in the lineup? No, unless like you see someone break their leg. If you say injured on international duty is doubtful, you just assume they're playing. Well, we would see that Kane is out for three months, and you go, okay, Northland and Derby in three months. Is it? Okay, it makes sense. <laughs> I saw that you reposted your own tweet post-game. Sounds like... arrogant. <laughs> um, about the confidence that Alisson has with the ball at his feet. I don't know what got into him in this game. He, it was like he was taking the same kicks, but he'd have that confidence sap for him. Yeah, and then once he goes, it does seem to really go. He just... He scuffs the ball a lot when it's off the ground. Now, ironically, normally great with the ball out of his hands. Now, this game obviously leads to the goal, so not so much. But off the ground, he's sometimes he is okay. But a lot of the time, he looks like you know, like a kid who basically can't kick the ball off the ground, or certainly when like really small, where basically like the ball is like the size of your leg. So getting off the ground just isn't really feasible. He looks like that. He looks, it doesn't matter what he does here. He is not going to ping the ball far or high, it's, and then it's going to risk going straight to someone's feet like he does with Foden, yeah, who it, should score really. Yeah, it's chaos from the jump. Um, he obviously has the missed kick that starts the attack for Haaland's goal, which I'll ask you about. 10 minutes in is when he passes to Foden. And then, yeah, tamely shot back at him. Eight minutes later is when he's nearly tackled by Haaland for taking too I mean, long on the ball. Goodish Joe nearly kills him with it. So <laughs> I think I can give him a pass on that one. Do you think... I saw some Arsenal fans complaining about this, not very out of character, I know. And I, I can see the side against what they're saying. And... They were pointing to the difference between Gary Neville's reactions during, say, the City game when when we played them and Reyes in goal and Alisson here. Because Alisson, for the first time, okay, it's a one-off. We very quickly got into a pattern where 
it wasn't clearly a one-off for Allison in this game. He's it was going to be one of those games for him. Mm-hmm. He didn't seem to get too worked up during it. I, I have no doubt every other person watching every time I went back to Allison was just a bit strange. Um, Gary Neville and the other Liverpool players no, were the only ones seemingly not worried at the keeper. They would just keep passing him the ball back. It's like, what faith have you got about this guy on the ball? Maybe you keep hold of this, Verge. Maybe you try and spray a pass. You're a little bit better at it than he is. I, I, I mean, with all due respect, Alisson's got a lot more credit in the bank. That's, right. that's the so, point like, that I would, I would make. And the issue with him is, even when he does that, he does still pull out worldly saves. The one from Foden later on is a a great save. I think the power in that low down, a lot of keepers struggle with that. Um, there's another one slightly later on, I forget. So he pulls out a couple of saves that you go, okay, a lot of keepers aren't making that. So he's, you know, and how many times he's dug us out of a hole, he's going to have to have had some really shocking games for you to lose faith in him. Do you think in a, in a strange way, it was almost to your benefit that this game wasn't at Anfield? Because I think if he's kicking the way that he is and the the angst from the crowd then gets into that, it can kind of go two ways, can't it? So with Reyes one in the City game, the entire crowd, then every time he gets the ball, is collectively saying, get rid of it, <laughs> kick it and all yeah. of this. Because the City fans didn't get on him like the Brentford fans did with Ramsdale and we got quite an easy parallel, which, which we'll mm-hmm. um, get onto. I think... If it was Anfield, the mood might have been a lot different and it might have made it worse, whereas this kind of stayed on a level. Yeah, it's probably true. Yeah. Um, I hadn't really thought of it like that. It's probably probably a fair case. I was losing my rag any time the ball got <laughs> near him, so maybe it's hard for me to tell that. Because I've seen um, some journalists uh, that, that cover Arsenal and have kind of pointed out and said the response to the City game was was OTT from the people at the Emirates. And so if you were a Liverpool fan or if you're a City fan, then you'd just be far more used to it at this stage and you wouldn't have the same level of angst when your keeper has the ball at his feet. Okay. I'm not sure in that situation it's ever going to change because Ramsdale hasn't always been as erratic as he no. was on Saturday. No. And even still, when the ball's at his feet and someone's charging down, it scares the life out of you. And I have to imagine... I think if you'll keep it, fans, yeah. if you'll keep it isn't Edison, I think you must be shitting yourself. I just, you watch him. There was a couple of times where we closed him down in this game and you thought, you don't even like really hold your breath. You're like, I know he's going to play it around us here. Um, I'm sure someone will now pull up examples when he hasn't, but they are few and far between. He's It's so disheartening when someone can wriggle out of a situation like that as well. Yeah. I, I spoke to you um, from the game at the Emirates last season, uh, Tiago a couple of times it was like we had him trapped with three four players and when you sneak out of that it is, it's like someone's taking your best punch because yeah how the hell has this happened when your keeper's doing it Bernardo Silva did it a couple of times on the weekend and he was I mean he's great at doing that and yeah like you said physically and mentally it must just be exhausting because you're like oh he's done it to us again yeah I don't think Alisson is the most to blame in that sequence for the opener and we'll get into so many other players in just a second but he can usually play that kind of drop kick across his body with his eyes closed. Yeah, yeah. This time, it, he just slices across the ball. The question then that does always arise when a keeper gets a hand to it is, should he have kept it out or are his standards just too high? Yeah, by his standards, maybe you might question it. I, If it was any other keeper in the league, I would say that's a good finish from Haaland. I don't question it for decent placement, 
good power. It's Haaland. Because it is him, and he does make saves that you probably shouldn't. Yeah, you probably do bring it into question. I probably would never question if it weren't for the fact that it was his kick initially that brought this about, probably. I don't even know that Haaland catches it as clean as he'd like to, and I think that goes in his favour. One of those ones the commentator will say it's good that he caught it like that, because it goes, yeah, like you said, right into the far corner. Yeah, he his kicking then remains AWOL after this. He he kicks it straight to the opposition multiple times. Wasn't punished for it. Um, he gives you a heart attack at the end when he's looking like he can't play the last few minutes. And he's very soft for the goal that was disallowed, which I'll ask you ask you about now. Did you agree with this one being ruled out? Wholeheartedly. No. Uh, initially, I thought in real time, I thought he's been pushed. And then, literally, you don't need more than one replay to know, yeah, you've got away with one massively there. Uh, Soft doesn't really begin to describe it. It At first, I thought, he grabs his arm. So you think, right, easy, he grabs his arm. But even then, he doesn't properly grab it. It's one of those ones where, if you've ever played and you try and grab someone's arm, just say, slip through your hands. So you try and foul them and fail. It was kind of like that, but on the goalkeeper. So you, you couldn't even really make a case for that. I was surprised on match share day. Ian Wright was like, yeah, you grab the goalkeeper, you can't do that. I was like, I'm surprised th- at that verdict. I think he was doing it just to make a, the point about the Newcastle game. Was yeah, much I think you're probably right. As he said, still not letting that win go. <laughs> Did you think the referee had given it in real time? Because I thought the way that they seemed to be running away was that the whistle that he'd blown was because he'd given the goal. And then when I, it was only when the VAR thing popped up and it said checking, uh, checking foul, disallowed goal. No, I um, I was pretty I was pretty sure he'd given a foul because if anyone goes near the keeper, I just assume foul. Don't even look at what the ref's doing. But I did think this is like they're not really going to tend to intervene on this unless it's real bad. I thought it might be, and then you're going to have a situation whereby Liverpool are in absolute uproar that this goal gets given, even though if he had given the goal initially we probably couldn't have had any complaints. Once you've ruled it out on a foul, we would obviously go spare that they've intervened on this. It does feel that you you could forensically check every goal from a corner and if the keeper's been touched, then yeah. we're in a slippery slope because he's kind of jumping up just alongside him. And I mean, the arm does come out. Um, it's weak, isn't it? It's yeah. weak. The uh, We literally saw, and you can go back and check this, Douglas Louise... Um, the day, the deadline day that we're supposed to be signing him, he scores from a corner where Ramsdale gets punted into the goal. <laughs> and we're basically told you've got to be stronger. And that's it. just some goals when this happens, we're told this. De Gea would get these calls almost every time. And then there was one against West Ham where he's kind of bullied a bit and they let it slide. The Brentford game in which they famously beat us, Leno is punted into the net on a throw-in. And- We're one where like, Firmino just made eye contact, eye contact with De Gea and they give a foul for yeah. it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, especially when you consider, and I know this has got brought up on the weekend, what keepers can do by comparison. Keepers can nail people and get away with it scot-free. And yet, if you go anywhere near him, you get given a foul against you. It feels like we should have been talking about the keeper flapping at the ball, misjudging the flight of it, which he was just clearly just not on his Everybody's game. Gone. Um, yeah. I thought he was even a bit weak for the one that happens not long after that. Now, that is a foul, but still, it was a little bit weak behind it, I thought. 
yeah, um, on another day, City see that and get at him. I, I don't really understand if, if all of us could feel just how flappy he was being, you would say, get at him, get yeah. at him, put yeah. some shots on goal, try and make him nervier, all of these things. Get a set piece near the end, cross it in the box, get everyone around him. But they seemed as content to kind of let him ride it out as uh, as, as you were. Yeah, they, in and around the time of when Trent scored, they did look a little bit, I don't know if rattled is too far, but they did look like they were more worried about potentially letting this slip than going on and, and killing us, which is a little bit odd for City. Um, but we have seen games with these two teams before where it gets to the point where they both sort of go, right, okay, a point apiece here, we'll yeah. go our separate ways, see how the season plays out. Yeah, Trent's influence on the contest was underlined. I mean, he had more touches than any of his teammates with 66, gained possession on 10 occasions, more than anyone else on either side. Something they did, I mean, I'm sure was a mistake, did miss off his uh, man of the match awarding was that he was dribbled past a record amount of times in a league game this I season. I saw someone disputing the stats on this, saying well, it isn't actually... I mean, I felt like I saw enough to say, yeah, he's been dribbled past a few times. So, by the way they do stats, it, it doesn't take a lot to dribble past. Someone yeah. would be what I would say. I saw someone disputing it, but the... Um, Saying, look, I'm not saying he hasn't been driven by. I'm just saying that's that number but then is if, too high. But. If everyone's being judged in the same way all season, then yes, fair. Well, the way I actually wanted to start this little section off was I was going to do this with more players, but if you asked Doku who he felt got the better of his matchup with Trent at the weekend, who do you think he would say? What him or Trent? Yeah, he'd say him. Yeah. If you asked Trent, who do you think? It's him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. because. Trent obviously gets the last laugh, but to everyone watching the game, feeling the game, it felt like, I said the other week, every man should treat their game against their fullback like they're going at Trent because yeah. no one ever gives him the like, no respect. free pass. Yeah. <laughs> and this was that. Doku was their liveliest player. I also thought he was a big part of the reason that they didn't win the game. I agree. This was the most St. Maximin-like performance I've ever seen from a player that isn't Alan St. Maximin. He, it felt like he got the beating move every time. I don't know how many of those reclaims were from Doku of that 10. Mm. But the, the final ball wasn't there. I thought maybe he tried to beat him more than he needed to. He wasn't direct enough. When we did our rankings last week, one of the things we praised was wingers that took like the shortest possible route to goal the wingers that released the ball at the right times that just grabbed the game for their team. And I didn't think he did it enough. There was times he was holding the ball too long. There was a fast break where he holds on to it centrally. He's got options either side and he plays the pass. It's supposed to be a final ball, but it's just too far in front of Alvarez, I think it was on that occasion. If you are getting at your winger that much and have the same criticism of Martinelli when we played um, Seville in the Champions League the other week, you need to have something to show for at the end of it because... If we're saying Trent's beating you once, he's the guy who has something that he can put on the stat sheet and say, I've done it. He's had the game-changing impact, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. Maybe Pep's grealish him already. Maybe he's got in his head. I've, I came away from it thinking that we'd got away with it, whereby I thought the way Doku started, but anyway, he's running the Trent in the first minute, and I thought, okay, this is going to be a long afternoon. I would probably feel, and I imagine Trent came off the pitch thinking, 
quite relieved. Yeah. And thinking, you know what, that could have gone a lot worse. And as much as I can't say Doki's had a bad game because he's got at us, and like you said, I thought he was the most threatening player. I thought whether it was him individually, like he said a lot of cutting back in, a lot of just kind of wandering aimlessly, but also them as a team probably were reluctant to just go, yeah, let's just isolate Trent and go down that side. They'll never, they're never going to want to do that. Even though, like you said about sticking it on the keeper, it's kind of like, no, no, we've got a way of playing. And even though this looks glaringly obvious, we're not just going to focus on this one thing. When you see and feel how much you had the ball, Klopp said after you drew with Luton that he had something to think about because Darwin had had like 70% of your shots, but he'd also not scored. And so he said, on the one hand, he's getting himself involved and he's doing more in the game than any of these other attackers. But we need to work out why you're not getting anything under that. Yeah. Doku here, you've got to have some serious questions if at the end of this, because even just from a tactical standpoint, there aren't many teams that are going to let you get at the full battle like no, that, exactly. that much. We had, I keep using Arsenal comparisons, but it's just the games I remember. When we had the game at the Emirates against... Newcastle last season that kind of kicked off this thing that's bubbling now. Saka got at Dan Byrne once in the first five minutes and the next time they attacked, Joel Linton was there yeah. with an extra body in front of him. I don't know who was supposed to be helping Trent or whether it was Salah or who it's so supposed to be. So this is my way to come on to because I thought, considering look, we know Trent's sort of vulnerabilities, I thought he probably doubt of it about as well as he could have, really, realistically. Without, you know, he's not going to turn into an elite defender overnight and it's not going to be against Jeremy Doku. I thought he doubted it well, but the amount of times he was just left. And I thought they did a little feature on Match Day about how they were surprised that we were a little bit easier to play through. And I was like, well, you've obviously not watched as much this season <laughs> because as good as we've been, we have been. Uh, a little bit easier to play for at times. And I didn't think that was much of an example of this this time. I thought we kept a better shape than we have done in a lot of games. For, the concentration was a little bit better other than for the goal. But what was striking was our midfield doesn't really track runners. And when they do, it's kind of because they're all instinctively more forward-thinking players. It's normally just a second or two later than they should. And it's like, oh shit, yeah, I was supposed to follow him, wasn't I? And that times you'd see someone just drift into space or someone... Yeah, would get Trent isolated. And he was like, once upon a time, Henderson would have read that and yeah. would have tracked back and would have doubled up with Trent. And he quickly realised, oh, I don't have this. Zabozlai or Jones or whatever will switch on and realise. But against a team like City, that second or two delay, I know it's easy to say it watching from home. It's a little bit different when you're on the, on the pitch. But a couple of seconds delay against a team like City can be, obviously be deadly. And we kind of got away with it by and large, but on a different day. Well, because... It's a really nice goal from Trent. Credit where due there, obviously. How how did you think his game was overall? Because I thought if he hadn't scored the goal, obviously a huge part of the game. He's a lot of, the match. Well, a lot of the analysis post-game, I think, is going to be the fact that he's walked past here. It's, it's so bad when they slow it down. He kind of dangles a leg out, which is you're screamed uh, for not doing that about five years old. Him and the boss life of that goal, I was pulling my hair up. Just... And against... City, Trent's probably a pretty good case of this. It's like you get your assignment. His his assignment is Doku, and it like it takes all your concentration and every fibre of your being to look at that man. That when it comes to someone else like an Ake, who you consider less threatening, it's like you you almost switch off. You almost like you you can't concentrate for this long on everything, 
And so it's like he wanders inside, but also he's very good technically as well. So you can't just allow that to happen. And it was like trying to answer Boz, like neither of them considered Ake probably their job, if you will. And as a result, it was like he punished us for it. Well, that was a Sunday league. You could say, well, it wasn't my man. Yeah, and- yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, if you look at sort of the, the centre-halves with Haaland, it was a little bit like that with him as well. It's like, whose is it? Well, it's not mine. It's a bit unfair. They're both just caught on their heels and the, the striker reacts quicker than they do. It's pretty, uh, pretty classic tale. But you've got to be perfect against City, unfortunately. And in that part of the pitch, Ake probably doesn't have a man either. I can't imagine when the game plan is that you're, you're, you're man-marking we'll Ake stop Nathan Ake. Ake. The, field. No. Um, the goal, though, very nice. The touch that he does take, putting it... Our goal. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, across yeah. the keeper doesn't really actually get a chance to look at where the keeper is anything nor does Haaland actually so both of them just instinctive finishes and you said it at the time I did also think it's a bold celebration that. <laughs> yeah now I love it now because we've got the result it's it's fine you got the the uh, the game time goal but I did think there's enough time on the clock here Trent and Plus, it's you. Like you, you've got a bit of bad luck, mate. So this could quite easily come back to haunt you. But as it is now, it's a, it's a great, it's a cold image. And you reckon he might be punished for it. You reckon he might be punished for or for inciting because he basically acknowledged that he had uh, celebrated in front of them. So, I'm so, sure we'll take that well if we get punished for it. So so stupid. <laughs> the the worst thing about the picture is how many city fans are smiling at his celebration. It's it's. Horrible. Those are pictures with like a kid, clearly like mid swear word is always hilarious though. What I remember Omri would speak about the game against Spurs in which he scores the one from halfway and he said he just goes back to it and just looks at a different person's face every (laughs) single time. And I promise you there is no one smiling at him there. (laughs) Defensively, I thought Shimikas may actually have had a better game when defending an admittedly more easy opponent um, in Foden. But he was probably someone that Liverpool fans wouldn't have been too confident in pre-game. And I thought he did a perfectly good job. He looks like, whether it's just a little bit more game time or what, he looks like he's kind of getting better as it's gone on. Well, well now he's stepped in for Robertson. Um, yeah, I thought he did his assignment well. Foden didn't offer him much, I didn't think. I thought there were a couple of instances... As a team, we did this, but he gave the ball away in a couple of bad spots. The main thing, the only reason I say that is when you watch City, you do realise like how he has basically almost created football in perfection because they just don't give the ball away. You just watch them. It's like, I can remember Akanji giving it away to Zabozlai. I can remember it because I don't think it happened again. It's like they just... I was watching the Liverpool game, watching Arsenal, and these are two of the, obviously two of the better teams in the league. And they'll just give the ball away occasionally because that's football. I remember Shimakas did that. I remember Matip gave one straight into Doku's feet at one point in the second half. I think Harvey Elliott came on and gave one away. And they're just errors that you're going, what the fuck are you doing? Don't get rid of it. But there's to be expected. It happens. But City, it just doesn't happen. You just watch yeah. them. When are you going to make a mistake? Please. I thought Foden had that shot that nearly went in past Allison. He was like, well, I'm going to be on match of the day later. I've done my bit, yeah. thank you. <laughs> I've looked busy enough. But you've actually led it on quite nicely, um, unless you had anything else to say about the goal. Still on this game, but in case you wanted goal. to wax lyrical about no, no, Trent. No, no, this... um, 
I think if you look at the numbers from both sets of midfielders, then it does tell you the story of the game, and that was safety. On the Liverpool end, McAllister completed 41 of 43 passes, Sabozlai 22 of 25, and it was more about what both teams wanted to prevent the other having rather than seizing the initiative, and that's the story that we had with City. We do enough that at the end we, we were able to kind of snatch a victory with a deflected goal. City looked lively in the first 15, didn't knuckle down when taking the lead. It never felt like they were pressing, really, get that second desperately. When Doku's getting at his man with the intent that he is, when Alisson's looking as shaky as he is, you're having as much of the ball as you are. You can't let an attack like Liverpool stay in the game. And I have to think at half-time, no matter what anyone in that Liverpool dressing room says, someone at least said, stay in the game. Mm. And that sounds like it's... uh, obvious thing it also sounds like you're diminishing the team Liverpool are when you're saying against anyone stay in the game but this is probably the, on, on paper the toughest fixture you're going to play all season yeah. and I have to think the wounds of last season are going to be pretty fresh with some of those players because second half in that game it was Henderson Fabinho really that forgot how to run or <laughs> just lost the ability to do so R.I.P. Klopp was as angry as you'd seen him all season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just at the application of what he was asking them to do. And if you can stick in, and Chelsea, in a very different way, never let City get, get ahead of steam against them last week, then you give yourself an opportunity. And when you have the quality that they do, when you bring in Luis Diaz off the bench, when Trent's having the opportunity to get forward more with, with less intensity from the City press, then that's what you can go and do at the other end of the pitch. Yeah. They all... I saw an interview with Virgil, saw an interview with Trent. They mentioned last year's game at City, like you said. So that probably was in their minds. That Klopp mentioned in his interview as well that he said he wasn't happy with the body language at half time. I think he was essentially saying what you said here, like, look, we're right in this. And so hang in there and you will. And I thought, especially start of the season, uh, start of the second half, sorry, City started really slow. You know, I mean, Pep was doing his crouch down and put a head in his hands <laughs> 10 minutes in. I was thinking, don't think it's quite that bad. Um, and at that point, I was actually looking at us going, you've got to get into them now because they're not going to do this for a whole half. So it's a weird up and down with, with City where it's sort of like, when you do have, like they had that bit in the first half where we had like 68% possession or something for the last five minutes. And you're like, yeah, but you've got to do something once you get that because they're not going to let you have this very often. So when you do, it's really incumbent on to sort of pile it on. I'd probably have started Graven Birch over Jones. I, I have to assume that's a fitness issue because mm-hmm. he was, again, mustard when he came on. It wasn't Jones' best game either. I thought he started well and then faded. I think he gave it the ball away once and it was like the composure just went there. And I think yeah. he's a player that feels the need to make up for it afterwards. Agreed, yeah. You don't want him trying to do too much against City. No, that's it. Because ego at that point and that's what you can't afford to have against City. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Jota and Darwin over Gakpo showed a level of intent pre-game, but it it wasn't looking like that on the pitch. I thought Jota was borderline anonymous. I think he had the least touches of anyone on the pitch. I think it was like six six touches in the second half, something like that. How much do you think the 4-4 with Chelsea played into City's game plan? Um, A little bit, but I think they would never come like, like that against us anyway. I just think they know... That would be playing as well, Hans. That would just be too... If they played exactly that against Chelsea, I mean, you'd have an all-time great game. Yeah. But I think 
you have to assume if Chelsea stick that amount of goals on them, how many would we stick? I mean, assuming Darwin finds is finishing some. Yeah, but- Michael Richards, I think it's becoming more and more clear the the lack of research that he does going into <laughs> no homework being done. Well, he he said post games that Liverpool and Man City typically are like basketball games, and I don't know which Liverpool Man City games he's been watching. Maybe or which basketball games he's been watching? Yeah. Maybe maybe uh, about a season before you'd properly commanded City's respect. So when you were kind of like what Tottenham are to them, you're a tough game for them in the running, but. You're not competing alongside them. And I don't think you're competing for the league in the year that Ox just goes insane. Well, the ironic thing is, um, yeah, we were on the, the come up at that point. That was, we get to Champions League final, lose to Madrid the first time. Um, we finished fourth that year, but that's, Van Dijk comes in in that January, right? So it's when we start getting serious, if you will. But ironically, the way we played then, if you were just catering to play against City was actually a lot more effective because we would just, that was pure heavy metal. We run from, we sprint from the start. We would hammer you back. And you saw in the City documentary film that season, the Pep was just like terrified of us and also just confused, wasn't he? He was like, what the hell am I supposed to do with Salah Romane? I don't know what the hell to do. And as we've kind of slowed it down is the wrong choice of words, but we're not as full on press from the front and, you know, press for an hour and then hopefully you're not too fucked to the last half an hour yeah. when we realise that's maybe not the most sustainable that's much better over the course of a league campaign playing all these teams but I get if you were just tailoring a game to play City the way we originally played with that intensity I think was always the best way to cause them nightmares but as you said we weren't competing for the league at that point I think he had more ego then as well in that he, yeah he did try to well I'm not going to change what I'm doing just because you're doing what you are and then and ultimately, time. give a guy like that time and he'll figure it out eventually. And there's only and so much. slowly figured out over time. You were freakish that day. I think they may have threatened to come back late on and then you get one late. I think someone scores a beauty late If it's on. the one with the Ox goal, it's also the Champions League as well okay. and we're just a bit of a different animal. Seem to remember a game on a... It doesn't really matter what the... Sunday 4pm slot where I remember just thinking you look just crazy the good. The year... Pretty sure it's the year we win the league. Fabinho wax one in, okay. and that's a, again that's a league campaign, and that's where um, the decision and Pep's going twice, twice, <laughs> going well, losing his mind. My whole my whole thing to say was um, not for a long time have you yeah, been having yeah, absolutely. crazy yeah. games yeah, with yeah. them, and so sorry, with yeah, yeah, slander yeah, yeah. Richards. Yeah. Sorry, I thought I thought he was he he kind of tries to drag Sturridge down and Sturridge does his best to just to stay on track and actually if you were a school things. teacher I'd be sent to Daniel can you stop sitting next to him he's a bad influence <laughs> um, of the traditional top four and I realise that means we're including Chelsea in this so City have played everyone now okay drawn with Liverpool and Chelsea lost to Arsenal beat United that's a little unusual for them I, I would imagine them to be stamping their authority more in these games and agreed in the games against the both of us, I think they have tried to be incredibly risk averse and you try to pinch the game almost. And I think they think if they play their best game, then they're going to beat you every time and they probably are. Yeah. It hasn't played out like that. I don't know if there's a different fear factor with them. City can basically do whatever they want at this stage of the season and people will say anyway, well, they come good at the back end of the season. So apart from last season where 
obviously Arsenal have to win it from here. <laughs> was the thing at, um, at this point. Haaland got his goal, didn't do too much after. Um, it just, yeah, it's, it's a, it was a weird, weird performance. I don't know if it was just pure international break, I think. Yeah, who knows? Maybe this would have happened, you know, if it was a Sunday early kickoff or late one, whatever. It doesn't, I don't know. It's um, It was like you had a Liverpool City game sort of bubbling under the surface, ready to sort of break out, and it just never quite fully did. Maybe if Darwin had a couple of half chances early on, maybe if he takes one of those, that one where it gets played inside him, if his first touch is better and he gets a shot off. Yeah. Maybe if we scored that, suddenly the game opens up and you've got a totally different complexion of the game because they then come and chase and it's a bit more carnage. But so in the first half? The yeah, one, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you, I mean... What do you say about him? You're pulling your hair out in frustration of what he could be and what he kind of is sometimes. It's My, I was really all over the shop in this game in that I, I didn't want either of you to win, but I also <laughs> didn't want your fans to be able to celebrate the draw. So it was a really, really tricky situation to be in. And You should be happy with that result. What, that's a good, yeah, that's so a good post, post-game I was. I just wanted to retract that I said last season... <laughs> I think I know what you're about to say. <laughs> that I could even see United in a title race with these, and I think I might cheer on United. I'm not even sure I'd cheer on Liverpool no, again. I knew you. You said it last year. You said I despise City enough that if Liverpool end up in a title race with them, I could probably cheer on Liverpool. I was like, you might mean that now. I well, bet when this comes the, to reality, it's not going to happen. The fact that we are so early on, I think in my head when making that statement. Um, there can only be two teams in a title race and so in this situation we're completely removed from I'm still not having if six weeks down the line you've had just a dreadful run of form you're out of it and it's us in City I think I know who you're cheering on that is fair and I'm not saying I'm blaming you I'm just saying I know I think I know to my credit I'm not sure what credit I'm looking for I have cheered you on in title races yeah 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 it's a mixed bag um, I will say with some of yours and I actually didn't quite understand how bastardly they were at that point. Until you're in a race with them, it's a, the, it's a different thing. The issue is, you might also be more bastardly than I thought you were. <laughs> so it's it's, it's, a really, it's a really weird spot to be in. I cheer you on over United, so uh, there is that. that if, if that, like if that was going to keep clop, on at, clop up at night, then... Uh, there we go. Um, same question I asked earlier. Who do you think will feel they got the better of the other with Haaland and Van Dijk? I guess ultimately he'll come away going, I scored a goal. I did my thing. Um, tends to be how strikers operate, don't they? It tends to be as long as they get their goal. Um, yeah, it's a shame because I think we did a good job of keeping him quiet other than that. I don't think they gave him a lot as well City, but I thought we did our job. I thought Matic was really good. I think considering you would have probably looked at that and gone, this is a game where you need Kanate. Yeah. You're going to need to be covering Trent. Obviously, Harden's up top. I thought Matic was great. I thought Verge did his thing. But um, ultimately, if he gets that goal, that he'll probably feel, well, we should have won the game. You should. It's not my fault the team couldn't keep out Trent. Last one of these. Um, who do you think would feel they got the better out of Darwin and Diaz? Diaz. You reckon? I reckon Darwin comes away from that thinking he had the better of him because he's dragging Who got him the around. better, Darwin or Pep? 
<laughs> well, I was going to ask you about that next. And what did they say to each other? I loved when Klopp was asked about it. He just had like this baffled look and be like, not a clue. I saw <laughs> kind the- of like a bloke who's got like an angry missus. It's like, what's she kicking off about? I was like, don't ask I me. I saw mate. in another not interview trouble. that he kind of alluded to um, Darwin picked up something that someone on the bench had said in a language that he understood. Some, something about him being shit, probably. And that'll be that's what they said. Klopp wouldn't have understood, and so Darwin was kind of fighting the corner. But then Klopp was like, oh, "I still got no idea." Yeah. <laughs> I love that he's gone out to war for us. I like that we're uh, we're too friendly with them. So he I like was, that he was pumping his badge afterwards as well. Love to see that. Yeah, good man. I, by the way, as much as you can say about his touch and his finishing or whatever early in this game, I don't hook him when Klopp does. No, I don't. I'm what? There's five minutes to go. As whatever you might say about that man, do you sort of rule out that he could get that winner? There's just something about the guy where you go, it's absolutely on the cards he could get the winner against City. And I mean, there wasn't really a lot. You rarely find me agreeing with Gary Neville and disagreeing with Jurgen Klopp. But I didn't really get the point of the last two subs. And that if Endo was brought on to shore it up, that didn't really happen because he just nailed Doku. <laughs> that was about the only contribution. He, and then Javier just gave the ball away a couple of times. He he's been really good when he's come off the bench, but you're asking him I don't think this was the game for I it. I thought he was poor when he came on. Yeah, though. he gave the ball away a couple of times and he wasn't gonna have in these other games where he's come on, he's had twenty minutes to have an impact. He's had five minutes, he's not gonna do anything positive and he's not gonna shore it up. He's maybe clock fight he could come on and keep the ball. That didn't go so well. Endo was a lot better when I was just reading about him. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't have to watch him play. Well I said I actually um, don't think someone clattering Doku was a bad idea. You should have just done it in the first five rather than the last five. I said during the Spurs game, I think it was, that I knew all I needed to know about him when you were down to nine and Klopp didn't immediately bring him on. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So- <laughs> it's one of the, Klopp can say whatever he wants about him, but you're never playing him. So that tells us what we need to know. Hey. Look, he's a, a £16 million signing from Stuttgart. That's exactly what he looks like. It might go the other way because... Um, Arsette said a lot of things about Eddie and then when push came to shove he did really start he will back that man no matter what yeah I saw a tweet that said Pep asked Darwin if he could do 10 keepy ups (laughs) (laughs) and that was it we might come back round to this game because there are a couple of um, parallels to draw but another rough rough fixture for both Arsenal fans and even more so for the neutral supporter I would imagine was the 5.30 kick tough on the eye Arsenal were the only big six side to win at Brentford last season and a fortnight after Klopp called them the stuff of nightmares to play against. Kai Havertz pops up with a late winner. Um, I'd said the same about Brentford in that week, so me and Klopp, same wavelength. Always been, boys. (laughs) Let's start with uh, Rusty Ramsdale. Is that an official nickname now? Or? It was the subtitle in my notes. <laughs> We're not that far gone from his dad jumping on podcasts to criticise Arteta's handling of the situation and the fact his son has been replaced just after signing a new contract. Without reason, he says, I'm not sure you need to be a rocket scientist why someone might tell your son what they want to hear when he's got a couple of years left remaining on his deal. Yeah. But there we go. If Ramsdale wanted a nice, comfortable start to settle into the game, he did not get it. Before the game, there was a big thing with um, even just the Arsenal fans that I was chatting to. I was chatting to Troy in the, before the game. I was chatting. In, I was chatting to Delaney, and it was like, "This is it. This is big game for Ramsdale. Put in a performance, 
get yourself back in that team. You're probably not going to get another chance to do this. We need this, this is your eight mile. We need this performance here. <laughs> it was not that performance. Um, <laughs> now, turns out it was the start of eight mile rather than the end. Yeah, he has had twelve weeks without a league start. The start that he did have in there, he had a start against Brentford in the Carabao Cup where he kept a clean sheet. Did we win two? Kept a clean sheet. And we did have that West Ham game, which was maybe a sign of things to come there because that, that wasn't pretty either. Not spooky, yeah. Um, from the first minute, the crowd were on him. They were chanting, you're just a shit David Rea. <laughs> England's number four, which felt unnecessarily harsh. <laughs> um, and all sorts of other things that I'm sure even we didn't hear. Every touch brought a vocal drum roll. He then makes two major errors that could have cost two goals. The first came in the 13th minute when he overthought when he had the ball at his feet. He's dispossessed by Brian and Bermo. A yard from goal. Declan Rice. He thought that man can get more heroic. Unreal, that block. And uh, I will say, if I said Foden should have scored on that one, I mean, they <laughs> should have scored on this. Blimey. Um, yeah, 10 minutes before half-time, there's another one where he tries to throw the ball into midfield. And he, Do you think this was... So you see NFL receivers now and they put stuff on their gloves, so it's like tacky. And yeah. it, do you think maybe he has something on his gloves and it just caught? I think keepers by and large do. I the idea do. that yeah. he, he changed his mind and just forgot to let go, even no matter how nervy you are, feels... I, I could maybe understand in that case, say you release it too high. And it, it feels weird that... You would hold it all the way down. Well, you brought up the NFL. I thought you were going to say, like, was he trying to spike it? Do you think he could just stop <laughs> it? Thankfully, it didn't go backwards. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. It's his confidence. If he was struggling a bit prior, then it's just gone down the toilet in the first 10 minutes, hasn't it? I think collectively, even his supporters' confidence in him that first half, like everyone that I was trying to... Oh, Fuck me, this is bad. <laughs> a mate that you've tried to help out and he just doesn't help yeah. himself. Um, before I actually ask you anything more about his performance, do you think there's anything he could have done in this game to keep his place on Wednesday in the Champions League? So this is the point I was going to make. What you were saying about, you know, last fun saying big performance from him, try and get your way back in the team. I saw a bit of that online. I don't think there's anything he could have done. Because if he had... Really, what he needed was a quiet game. Obviously, that was out the window pretty sharpish. Yeah. And if he has a quiet game, well, they're going to go, well, nothing to catch the eye here, right back in. And if he has a game where he just saves everything, that just means Arteta is just going to be going like, well, we had a shocking game. And fair play to him for making the shot stop, shot stop him. But that wasn't what I was bringing into question. It's everything else that David Riot supposedly brings to this team. The interesting thing as well was to have a quiet game, he probably needed to go long constantly. All of these things when... Which that, is the very thing Arteta doesn't want him to do. Exactly, so. and it, it seems that it's like he was doing the, the playing out from the back without it being a thing that was mentioned to him. And now it's become a thing that he's being judged on. Yeah. It's so much worse because when he first came through, his passing was ridiculously good. The passes that he would thread through, he would, he would break two lines in midfield to get it to the halfway line. He would play that wide pass out to Martinelli that he would just hit every time, much like Alisson does to Salah. Hmm. And then somewhere so just, along just a one-off the way, weekend for Voki. That's all it was. Yeah. Just a one-off. Well, somewhere along the way, 
about halfway through last season, it, people say it since he changed his number from 32, <laughs> he went wrong. But something something happened, and whether it was the, the, the pressure of the situation, whether it just snowballed and he had a bad game, and, because there was a couple of moments in, in the, the title run, and obviously the Southampton game being the culmination of it. I, I don't know. It's just obviously when he's feeling it in the game, his confidence can get to a level where he is like Superman. Yeah. That yeah. Anfield second half against you last season, mm. he probably came off the pitch feeling like he could fly. Yeah, yeah. And he was for parts of that game. Now, it's like you ask him to jump and he's questioning whether he'll get off the ground. Yeah. And I do think partly that is of the manager's making because I do think, like I said, I don't think his distribution whatever was like Edison, but I thought it was good. I didn't. I certainly didn't think it was a weakness. Whereas now, it's kind of been spoken about as if it, like I said, as if it is. It's got into his head. Like, he can't do it. And he probably was coming in with the same thoughts as those fans, where he was going, right, big game for me today. Better do this. And, yeah, it, it all went pear-shit. And that, I mean, do you think that's his last game for Arsenal? That could be his last game, probably. I'm... I'm- I'm sceptical to some degree. So Arteta obviously hasn't helped the situation, but I also think with it, with a, a player of Ramsdale's character, and people say that he didn't have this situation with Ramsdale and Leno. You can go back and check the interviews. He never once says that Ramsdale is our number one. He says, we've got two fantastic keepers that we'll call upon if needed. He just started playing one of them a lot more. I think Shocker. if he, say he comes out the week we signed David Rea and says, look, I understand he's a fan's favourite. I've got to do what I think's best for the team. David Rea is our new is our new number one. I don't think you get anything out of Ramsdale from there onwards. I think he has to have at least a hope that he can get back in. Yeah, but you I think you can say that, but go, but look, Aaron isn't out of my plans. He can we're gonna he's gonna get game time still and he can still come back in. I think by I get why he did it this way and it maybe was the only way he could do it but I do think it created a situation where it's almost like you've lied to the player by saying look I'm going to give you both an equal chance you're not giving him an equal chance you're giving David Rea a lot more of a chance and that's fair enough he's your signing you're, you're the manager that's your gift but by kind of doing that if you did it on any other position on the pitch and you said well, look, he's our he's our striker, but you know we've got a load of good options. But then you just never played the other guy. It become pretty clear, I guess, for Klopp with Endo. We're not saying he's our guy in the middle of midfield. Well, clearly not. I don't want us to take any Champions League game lightly, but I also think the first Champions League game he didn't play was when he'd have been shook. Ramsdale yeah, agreed. Um, Troy was texting me. He's like, I just. Everyone thinks their club's special in different ways, obviously. He was like, it just fe- it just feels like we've always had a bit of loyalty that look, you helped us get here and so you you get your chance until you've, you've proven you don't deserve the chance anymore. And I said, but I also don't want a manager picking the team based on loyalty no. because we've, we've complained about that in other areas. So if he truly thinks David Rea is the guy that takes me to where I need to get, or even if he just thinks... He helps me get to where I need to get, but he gets me there faster than Ramsdale does, which it now seems he couldn't get Raya. Ramsdale was, was what he wanted. Option. Yeah. Yeah. And so he helps get So him once there. he could get Raya, there it's, you go. Um, it's very interesting. But yeah, I have no problem with the ruthlessness aspect of it. It was, I guess, what I'm saying. I guess he should have been even more ruthless and gone, like, this is my guy. He's number one. Do you, 
do you think, and I won't spend much longer on this, we've spoken about the keeping situation before, but I think he kind of thought by saying what he did... He was squashing it. That it, yeah. was, it was done. Yeah, agreed. Because yeah, I agree. With some of it, so pre-game, I don't expect you to watch an Arsenal-Brentford pre-game. I don't usually watch the pre-game. I just mm. happen to see more of it this time. I think it was Jules Breach said to him, uh, so, you know, Ramsdale's in today. If he has a big performance here, can we see him back in for the Champions League midweek? And he was like, <laughs> he looked like <laughs> even pre-game we're doing this. And he yeah. said, we want a big performance for everyone in the team. Everyone's place is at, is at risk. That's what we need to be moving forward or something like that. The post-game told a very different story. <laughs> Just refusing to mention him. Well, so he, he says it's something, weird in, he says something in like another presser after, but when you have the question about Kai Havertz and Ramsdale yeah, back exactly, to back, exactly, and he's yeah. like, everyone loves him here. He's so great. This is what happens when you do this and you do that. And then Ramsdale is like, I thought the team defended really well today. And repeatedly made a point of saying the team, yeah, it's yeah, weird. I'll tell you what, that's from Arteta's point of view, I would tread carefully with that. Only because I saw how the players were with Ramsdale at the end of the game. Kind of rallied around him a little bit. The last thing you want to do is create a situation where look, he's got the power at the club and the players like him. So it won't it won't be like a Ten Hag situation, I don't think. But you do have to be careful. You saw how, I think, Sancho and Maguire have probably got allies in that dressing room. It's not just... They'll just be a little bit pissed off with you that you're treating a player like that. If he if they perceive that he's treating Ramsdale a certain way, it doesn't even have to be like Ramsdale's turning the dressing room against him or anything. It's just they'll watch him doing that. Some something I would point to at full time and it's and you it's near identical. You may remember a game, lunchtime kickoff actually. We went to Villa Park in the season we're first chasing top four when we're starting to get good under Arteta. Ramsdale was injured and Burn Leno comes in. Hmm. And Leno plays a game here. And right at the end, Pepe's brought on just to basically waste time and shore the game out. And he kicks someone on the edge of the area. And they get a free kick. It goes straight into Burn Leno's arms. Referee blows the whistle. Everyone is around Leno. I think they may even pick him up. And they're patting him on the back and they're doing all of this. Ramsdale's, um, Ramsdale's back in the next week. Yeah, yeah. But the thing with at the end, with all the players coming around him and doing this, and it was a big song and dance. It's it's literally identical with really? the situation mm. of the game and everything, and so that. So you're saying that's actually the Grim Reaper. You're saying if the play, once the players start hugging you, I'm saying you're the, out. End, the end of that game was basically bring Havertz to the away support after the free after the penalty against Sheffield, whoever it was against. Mm. That was that was the equivalent of of what that was and. Ramsdale didn't post anything on Instagram immediately after the game. Sounds stupid, I know. Every other player did. Yeah. And then a day later it was, um, words can't express how much I love this club. The fans really had my back tonight, was what he was what he put on there. Oh, yeah, interesting. Um, Arteta made a comment, which I was going to get onto with um, Havertz, but I'll tell you it now. The only thing on the Ramsdale thing I will say, his dad shouldn't have gone on the podcast no, or whatever. You'd go... You've done your son no favours there. And if Ramsdale either encouraged or supported his dad doing that, I'd be one surprised, he'd probably be fuming about it. But if he was, I'd say, well, don't do that. But on the flip side to that, if I'm Arteta, I'd have a word with him going, what's your dad doing? But I'm not going to blame you for this. But it does feel like Arteta's going, well, your dad's done it. That's basically your fault as well, which is a little bit unfair. Even playing Sunday League, our team was shit, obviously. (laughs) 
there were two players that we had three previously both their dads last year was three but one of them I won't include in that because he was good enough to play anyway there was two others who probably shouldn't have been playing their dads were both involved who basically went to the coach and said my son has to be playing here oh, okay everyone involved took the piss out of them yeah. or and even behind their back was like well he's only playing because his dad's in it and you, you mock the fact that someone at 16 years old that's a kid as well like an adult doing it uh, 16 years old was having their dad fight their battles this is no and there's so many things now where I do have to think his dad isn't jumping on a random podcast to chat about it and it's actually worse. The stuff, some of the stuff his dad's coming out with there. Yeah, some. Of the I get quotes, it. Is uh, I get it. Is your son? You are close to it. But Crouch said, post game, he said we've basically had a microphone put at the conversations that's happening at the Ramsdale yes. dinner table during their roast dinner. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Which <laughs> great, con- not- great content if you're a podcaster. Not so good if you're Ramsdale. Don't get on Ray's back. I've heard he's a great lad, but the way this was done disagree and all this yeah. stuff is just and my son's better than him so you think your son's better than him there's a shocker I mean obviously you do but think... you're not the manager the tide is shifting on that I think there's at least half of the Arsenal fans that Raya was nearly tackled against Man City kicked one to the opposition my against, main criticism uh, is that <laughs> I don't think he's much better than Ramza if better at all that's my main criticism of the way Arteta's dealt with this is he's kiboshed it for someone who I don't know is a huge upgrade but time will tell yeah, um, not good, basically. This wasn't the performance that's uh, getting you back in and he looked like he did uh, know that too. Yeah. Arteta clearly listened to the pod last week. Um, Trossard goes in to midfield. I was happy to see it. I was surprised it was away at Brentford that I was seeing. Yeah, probably right. Um, because on paper, that lineup was as total football as you're getting from this Arsenal side. If you put Ben White in there Tommy Asu, then that's probably that be, yeah. as close as we're getting. I thought Trossard was the better of our two eights on the day. I certainly didn't see enough where I would say, don't do that again. I no, thought I'll, I'll I thought he looked perfectly, perfectly good there. I Thanks. thought he did enough defensively. I thought There's easier teams to play against as well, where you might shine a little bit more than you did against Brentford. Yeah, defensively sound enough. He was playing forward, nearly had a goal to show for his efforts, but VAR ruled it out. Do you want to say when I messaged you at half time, I was a little less level headed. By the end of half time, I had retracted my comments um, that it was <laughs> that it wasn't offside. It, it, it was a weird angle. That was, they, it was it was such a like a diagonal angle. It was, it's got to be something. It was close. Better it than this. I'm not saying it wasn't. Um, yeah. It's, <laughs> I think everyone has that moment, unless it's like streets where it's like, obviously they're ruling that out. No, I mean, oh. if if um, Kanji had like even slightly fouled Allison, I'm I'm going today. Well, obviously that's a freak. What are you complaining about? It's because it was so bad that I didn't think it was. Yeah, if anything arguable, yeah. a couple of those Spurs offsides, I would have probably appealed, <laughs> and they weren't that close. Um, yeah, they had an angle this week, um, albeit a very poor one. Gabriel Jesus this week said to some degree, um, I don't know how exact the translation was, that goal scoring wasn't his strong suit. Um, I think we knew that, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> you but, don't need to say it. Yeah, we Your also, players need to stop giving interviews. Just we we, stop, we can also accept that because we knew that when we bought him, 
he's got to be finishing chances like that because some of the comments post-game, you know, it only took Saka one moment. It's a great cross that he puts in for Jesus that he should bury. Yep. And then we shouldn't get to the Trossard's moment. I thought his play with his back to goal was nice. I thought Zinchenko was finding him well. He was creating some space, but against the, well, it wasn't even five defenders. It was like seven defenders in that line. I thought he needed to be a bit more creative with what he was doing. Um, and he just looks a bit frustrated since he's come back from the injury. That game away um, in Seville is as good as he's looked this season. And then he gets injured 10 minutes later. So it, I think you do need to play him into it. The subs will get into I don't know what else he would have done, but I also think maybe he was just going to take Jesus off after 60 minutes anyway. Yeah, from is he he does that with him and Martinelli often. It doesn't really matter what context of the game, what they're doing, he does seem to want to hook them. If it's this time last season, I think you get a much more dynamic Jesus in this game and I think your attack would benefit from that massively. Instead, all that's a little bit flat and lacking a bit of ideas and I think he's a big part of that. I think him and Odegaard are probably the most glaringly obvious sort of differences from this point of last year where you look like you could score plenty yeah. of goals, like you could carve a team open. It doesn't quite look the same, and I think their their role is probably the biggest part of it. Yeah, if I could just mention quickly how good the defence does look right now. Two goal line clearances, the one from Declan Rice. Gabriel and Saliba are just immense. Tommy Asu kind of did his thing on the right. I think I'd like him to overlap more. He hasn't got that connection with Saka just yet, it doesn't seem. I actually thought Zinchenko was our man of the match. He was good, wasn't he? I know he lost the ball once to set up one attack for them. The touch he makes before that, where he gets really low to chest it and then he takes like a really low keepy up to control it and then he turns, which is where he gets tackled. He's one of them where, like Trossard, every time I see a little thing that he does so kind of um, nonchalantly, where it's like, okay, you are actually like... Technically, he's (laughs) insanely good. With the form Tommy Atu's in, I'd, I'd still like to see him in that left eight spot because I think he'd be... Fantastic Tommy there. Asu. No, um, I'd like to see Zinchenko there and Tommy Asu no. play Safe left. Playing well. yeah, yeah. But much like Klopp with Trent, I don't think you're ever seeing that man in midfield for the club. No. Um, yeah, he's been much better aerially this season and he seems to have stepped up his 1v1 game since probably the Fulham one where he, he had a Dharma on him and you know one wants that. tired legs. Him, yeah, it was not good. Once again, Saka and Salah quiet they leave with something an assist each I think mm. uh, Saka can probably more be more pleased with his than Salah was yeah it feels an assist in the loose sense the, Saka, uh, the Salah one it's like air trend. when on, I saw do, the do replay I was like, <laughs> he's got it post game Saka spoke uh, he spoke to the standard I think it was and he said I feel like a lot of games I'm facing a double team with two guys on me it's the same for Gabby it's happening in every game I keep watching all my games back, trying to find a solution, what I can do better. In the end, I just feel like I need to understand this is how it's going to be this season and I just need to deal with it and keep finding a way like I did today. That's what I need to keep doing. Great to hear that, obviously. But what he won't say is that we need more of a threat centrally, whether that's from Jesus, Eddie, Erdegaard, Havertz, Jorginho, Vieira, even Rice. Teams won't be so comfortable doubling up both sides if they feel they need to keep their focus mm. elsewhere. And at the moment, 
they're, they're basically getting like the the Timo Werner treatment where they're like leave him and we'll worry about everyone yeah. else. And it, at times the game plan seems to descend upon you just go right Saka Martinelli have the ball do something. Not quite you know. Zahara Palace sort of thing, but that sort of like go and win us it. Then yeah. you know, hang on a minute. One, they are those type of players, but not fully. They're not necessarily going going to go and dribble past half a team and score. And two, that's only going to work so many times. You yeah. can't keep doing that. Though. One of the things of last year is how often you got them into good positions, and now it's you're kind of asking them to do half the work. It seems Saka, Erdegaard, Martinelli ended with I think fifteen each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Erdegaard was very poor um, looks like he still needs to find his feet again and I'll ask about him in a second but Eddie was a disgrace <laughs> on, on Saturday that one run he makes to open up both Saka and Erdegaard before he does that tame curled shot that he does I knew that, I was, I knew that shot I would be making an appearance on this I saw a quote from Bielsa yesterday from when he was at Leeds competing with Bamford and it rings true now didn't really get a look in there, did he? So he, in a press conference after the game, Bielsa was, uh, Bielsa asked the journalists, Bamford or Nketiah, which player do you think ran more? And the journalists all answered Bamford. And he said, no, Nketiah. Do you know why? Bamford ran for the needs of the team and Nketiah ran just to try and score. The metres that Bamford ran is true to the team and to finish Nketiah just to try and score. Uh, Sorry. And to finish, Nketiah puts these metres in to finish the action. It's natural what I'm looking for to achieve that Eddie feels the needs of the team and that he understands if he doesn't put the metres in both things, he's going to have less chances to score. That's great, but I'm now going to need you to do that in the translator's voice that you have to do it for VLC, <laughs> if you could, please. And it makes perfect sense because in mm. that moment, Eddie makes that run, he puts the metres in and he opens up two options. I think it's a tough pass to Saka but he can play the pass slightly deeper to Erdegaard to run onto and maybe that sparks him back into life. It's just very, very poor with what he does. He did it against Chelsea when we're chasing the game. He does it from about 30 yards out straight into um, Sanchez. It's just really poor and you can't keep getting the minutes that he's getting and offer as little threat as he does. A hat-trick against Sheffield ain't saving you. No, I mean, he... Yeah, he does seem almost above criticism in a way the slightly odd thing about Arteta is there are one or two that do seem to get that pass and he does seem to be one of them it, he's an odd player in Ketia because when he's bad he's <laughs> just offers nothing for you whereas when he's good you know like I said that the game with the hatchet you thought this guy can do everything it, I, I don't know it's he's hard to explain if you if you're not playing him that much, I guess he's an okay option to have. But it's he's playing he's, loads. Yeah, that's it. After the game, they said to Arteta, "You know, it's a bit of a cliche, but win when you're not playing well." And he was like, "He said, what do you mean?" We he said, "Grace." He said, "We played really well." He said, "That's as good as you can play here." He said, "When it's stop start like this, you can off you can ask for no more than what my side gave you today." If you can ask for a little bit more, yeah, I, I get I the point he's making, but yeah. No. Um, not, this isn't also the only game you've had this sort of performance either. No. Udegaard, I, I think, is partly due to injury, partly due to the left-hand side being less fluid, so maybe we're asking more of the right. And that party isn't there. Yeah. I've no part. doubt, if you asked Udegaard now, if he could have party come back into the side, but it would mean that Rice is benched, he'd say yes in a heartbeat. Yeah. Oh. I think 
the passing lanes that party opens up probably superior to what Rice offers and it's one of the few things he does offer more than Rice I don't think that's there's much probably about that no Um, and particularly he would just cut through the lines to Erdegaard so many times and he's got the space to run in front of him I think he just needs a goal or something and he's going to open back up and if he's had a hip issue then maybe that's that's part of it but I don't know he looks a bit more like the Erdegaard when he first came into the side after signing permanently and he had a couple of games out and he came back then and was firing. So I'm not too worried about him long-term. This isn't one that... Is this the new Erdegaard that I'm uh, no, going to be getting no, no, no. It's The problem with him at the start was a bit of inconsistency, wasn't it? You just hope he doesn't fall back into that sort of pattern because once he got out of that, you went from this is a very good player to this is a great player and you just don't want him to fall back into those habits. But Do you think it's interesting? Yeah, I think it probably is a, a fitness issue, as you've said. The um, narrative is that defensively Arsenal are really solid, but the attack isn't clicking. Liverpool's attack is really solid, but the defence is letting them down. Arsenal have scored one less goal than Liverpool, and Liverpool have conceded one more goal than Arsenal. (laughs) Now, if you dig a bit deeper, Liverpool should have conceded a lot more when you look at their XG, and when you look at Liverpool's XG the other way around, they should have scored... They've, they've generated a lot more XG than Arsenal have. We should have scored more and conceded more in, in most yeah. games. That's absolutely, absolutely um, fair. It's interesting because that is... Uh... Yeah, yeah. It's The thing is, and especially when it's City, basically you're comparing these two teams too, you do get into like the micro of everything. Everything becomes... So if you're drawn with Brentford, it'd have been, well, what's wrong with Arsenal? They can't score to save their life or whatever. And then, like you said you'd still then have, what, two less goals than, than we've had all season. In all comps, it's our fifth 1-0 win of the season. And the thing is, if this is you playing, quote-unquote, badly, then obviously that's great news. It's whether this is actually just how Arteta thinks you should play and this is going to be it. I do... Because I think I've touched on this before, but it feels like your season last year has been slightly misremembered. And I think that's fine for like fans to do, but it's almost like the manager has as well. If you look at how you were at the start of last season, it's not like, I think you looked more threatening going forward, but also I still felt you had control. It wasn't like an out of control team. Whereas I feel like it's been almost characterised like your season was, the wins were like the three twos at Bournemouth and Villa, the last minute well, goals. Well, there was a couple. So all think. the wins were like those and all the losses were like the West Ham ones where you just thrown it away. It's, well, that's not really what happened. You had a bit of a wobble at the end of the season. I and think- other than that, it was, you were very good and it's like he's just gone right no we need to forget about that and I get why because it's a new season or whatever but there were some good things that brought you to the party yeah I think there were some so there was there were certainly more games like it the Fulham one is the one that I would point to mm-hmm. but much like this season this was a nervy game but if I analyse it afterwards did Brentford have a single chance they created themselves there was the Ramsdale yeah. moments and the one where Saliba gets it pinched for him and then Gabriel comes across and it's snuffed out pretty quickly if you look at the other games where we've been conceding it's largely shenanigans from a goalkeeper yeah and so I think to oversimplify it he's looked at it and said as you kind of touched on do I have more of a chance to win over a 38 game season addressing that or addressing this and it looks like this has been addressed because the foundation is as solid as I think I've ever seen it and partly it's obviously a natural evolution of the team so I understand that but I do think again I'm mainly focusing probably more on the first half of last season for you but 
I didn't think you were sort of like structurally flawed or defensively weak. I thought obviously you the partnerships are bound to grow and you're bound to get defensively stronger. So I get that you're stronger now. But I didn't think it was a weakness then. No. And obviously at that point you had Granit Xhaka knocking about as well. Party was fit. So you had a, probably a more stable midfield as well at that point. But yeah, it's, you know, it's partly out of your hands now. But I, I don't know. I just think there's a, there's every chance a few weeks down the line we look back on this and go, well, what were you talking about? Obviously this Arsenal are absolutely fine. Or we could have a couple of games where you maybe struggle to break a team down. And I do think you're then going to have to look at it a little bit more and go, have we maybe tweet it a little bit too much because yeah you, you are maybe I'm just being bitter because you're a bit of a hard watch now whereas last year you were more of a fun watch for me maybe that's partly it when it's people talk about the atmosphere in the stadium and the the, the style of play last season was more conducive to exactly an atmosphere yeah. and all of these Getting things going. Um, I think if people want to run with the copying city um, kind of thing that we do I think if you, at, to copy. if you look at the way that City tried to win the game against you, then I think it's very similar to what we did. It's that yeah, yeah, yeah. we won't take any chances to score the second. Now, City is obviously scoring goal. I think they scored five more than us. Um, so there, there's something to it. Saka's addressed it post-game and said there's certain things that they're, they're kind of eking out. But uh, there's enough obvious flaws to point to at this stage with who's filling that left eight position, with um, the strikers not scoring goals that if everyone's fit, like we've seen Saka, Martinelli and Jesus start two games together mm-hmm. in the league so far this season. Um, my main thinking is, and I, I'm not sure we'll even play for Arsenal again, to be honest, is uh, if you find a way to make the party Rice, Erdogan midfield work in front of this back four that we've got, then yeah. with those two on the flanks, then... It, it, it could be very, very good, but yeah. hoping to have all of those fit is... Never, is yeah, it seemingly never possible. About- the main thing I was struck by was even when it was a, a possibility earlier in the season, Arteta didn't seem intent on trying to make that work. We had the right back. The, the really weird thing, I would have, yeah, like I said, that would have been such a strong midfield and in front of that back four, yeah. weird. Last thing on this game. So this does put Arsenal top of the league, which crept up on me when they said it post-game <laughs> on Saturday. You know, Arsenal with a win can go top of the league was not bad if we could just creep in there in May maybe then that'd be nice be slightly pissed off um, if you won the league and oh shit did we yeah. oh, someone should have told me um, I disagreed much like you did with the changes I disagree with Martinelli coming off over Odegaard but can't argue with the result Havertz got amongst it in the opposition area immediately and in stoppage time he, he makes no mistake to head down from close range like Jesus didn't do is this going to be another false dawn or is this the start of something? The Havertz cycle really does continue. This kind of late back post running is is exactly the kind of thing I imagine he was bought for when we were selecting him. I think in Arteta's mind's eye, this is exactly it. This game. He said we drill this all the time. He said he, he, he can't believe that we haven't seen this goal already. And that was Havertz doing it. Who speaks very well for a player that gets battered like... He does. Well, because every interview starts with, it obviously hasn't been the best of starts. You've had a really tough time. And he does always explain himself and, and, and talk really well about He should have done the Arteta. What do you mean? I've been great. I've been great since I started. I was running away doing that celebration in sync with him when the goal came in. <laughs> Thankfully, nobody else was home. In the last two games now, he's played in defence, midfield and attack. 
the mystery truly does continue. When Ramsdale was kicking it long, I thought it made sense to bring him on earlier because of how strong he is aerially. Yeah. And that maybe or not. to come full circle shows you how done Arteta is with him that at half time he clearly said, just go long. Which for him to say that yeah. tells me tells me a lot. He's given up on you. When they panned the camera to him after the second mistake was like, Oh, that <laughs> look. Oh my god. <laughs> um Arteta having Havertz in a headlock to drag him towards the away fan look really painful. <laughs> Were you also singing his song the rest of the evening? It's a catchy tune. <laughs> um I might actually insert the clip of me singing it at the end of the episode. Maybe. I'm, I'm sure everyone will enjoy that. Whether I think I'll get copyrighted for Waka Waka actually playing <laughs> in the background. Shakira is famously litigious. She will take people to court <laughs> and be taken to court. This was, uh, did I say this earlier? I was going to come to it. When Arteta said after the game, which looked like a shot at Ramsdale, Havertz is an example of all of us of what to do when you have your difficulties. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> not as any thinly veiled, I don't think. I haven't heard Kai Havertz's dad on a podcast. <laughs> How great would that be, him going on a, an English podcast, yeah. slagging off Wolves next, so... To answer your question, I think Kai Havertz will give you moments like this, but he's going to give you a lot of games that you've currently had this year where you go, what the fuck have we bought? <laughs> I, I think... And that's the that's the fundamental issue. And if you'd bought him for 30 million, nobody would probably bring that up. But it's because... He was a 65 million acquisition to go into a midfield to improve you to win you the league. It's basically, and I think that's because it's a lot of pressure on a man's shoulders who I don't necessarily know can cash that. It's in a moment like this where I say, has he had that many bad games? Like the games, I'm like when I say about Eddie's bad games, they stand Stand out so so vividly. He's had a fair few anonymous games. That's that's the issue. Um, But we'll see, I guess. You'd expect that he's going to start the next game. I can't imagine Arteta lets him score here and then says... Kills his confidence yeah. when dropping him, yeah. So it's probably going to be at Trossard's expense, unfortunately. It might have been an expensive goal for you. <laughs> you won, but at what cost? <laughs> I guess we'll see. Maybe one of them plays Champions League and one of them plays... Uh... Mm. But then the issue that Trossard had before was he had one bad half against Fulham... Yeah, Eddie he's one scored. Who doesn't seem to have a huge amount of chances. Yeah. Eddie scored and got an assist, and then he was back at the yeah. team. Yeah, yeah, um, But that's a goal. It looked like it was going to be two in two for him, and he got battered last time as well, where he got smashed into the post. The thing about Trossard is we know he will knock on the manager's door pretty swift. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Three time manager of the month, Ange Postacoglu, has now lost three games on the spin. Their starting lineup against Villa when you actually it was hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> four fullbacks, four forwards, one midfielder who's not started a game in ten months, and then that? my guy Cunha, <laughs> and then one who really said he'd like to be playing behind a striker in Lacelso. Some of their problems can't be helped. Some of them, I, I, I don't like this sympathy for the very clearly self-inflicted players. There's. Romero, there was no need for him to be out. Basuma, there was no need for him to be out. Udogi, you're saying, you know, they missed him. Yeah, we know why he was missed. Yeah, yeah. It was sort of like um, red cars just kind of rained down on them out of nowhere rather than, you know, well earned. Cal Brooks, I just went. Yeah, exactly. Some of their, some of their problems, yeah, they're very self-inflicted. I don't see it as admirable that they won't change their style. 
Sean suggested to me during the Chelsea game that it would be a sign of weakness or a show that he lacked belief in his system if he changed it because uh, it would show the team that you know some turbulence comes in and he abandons his principles. So is it a sign of weakness when we did that against Spurs? Was everyone going, four clubs lost it? This is my point that better managers than him have compromised on their principles yeah, it's- to get the job done. I know why Spurs fans are telling themselves that yeah. because I might have to if if my team played on the halfway line. Um, and I also know that coming off Jose Mourinho, Nuno and Conte, anything vaguely attacking, you'll go, yeah, I'll take that over that. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was obvious it was a compromise that was needed in, in just in that specific instance, nothing else. Because I think they've approached all these other games well and I think they've been unlucky, to be honest. It's probably not what you want to hear, but... Well, I think they probably, I don't know, partly maybe this is mentality, but they probably should have got over the line against Wolves. They were unlucky. Maybe you can go, you shouldn't concede two late goals, but all right, you nearly got a result there. They should have put Villa out of sight in See, this game. I, I had down that all that being said, Spurs could have been five up within 20 should minutes. Should have put them out of sight. And then, but then is that we're, not... we're talking about how they've dug out two massive results with no centre-outs. But then if if we're also saying that they're, they're carving these teams up in the way that they are. Can you not be slightly more conservative and then maybe you create two less chances, but you aren't playing a basketball game? Because this was the most typical Unai Emery game that you're ever going to see. Like Spurs had 18 shots, Villa had 15. And Emery basically says, I bank on my side being better equipped to handle this than yours are. And I, at the I end back of, my man, Ollie Watkins, to be a better finisher than whoever you've got. I'm going to ask you a question in a minute about him that may make you walk out, so I'm going to ask <laughs> it last. I, th- I thought they could have done something, they could have been slightly more conservative here. If I see that back four, then maybe Oliver Skip, Oliver Skip starts instead of Lacelso, for example. Yeah. Uh, and Lacelso was one of their better players. He was. But then... There, there is nothing that can be happening to my team for Brian Hill to be starting games for me. My guy, Brian Hill. <laughs> yeah, he's thinking of himself in glory either. Um, the thing was, I didn't watch this game and think, fuck me, Spurs are wide open, what are they doing? I thought they should have done obviously better with the chance in the first half. And then second half, to me, it looked like, whether it was just because Villa had hung in there or whatever, it looked like they suddenly like lacked a bit of belief, um, which I couldn't really explain. I was just watching Spurs thinking they looked physically really tired like they think they're playing with nine men again yeah. it's like no you've got 11 men I know not not a great personnel they look like they tired a little bit and lacked a bit of belief in the second half like they couldn't kind of they couldn't hang in with they look like they'd given up on the win quite quickly once the equaliser went in and they kind of didn't really look like they could get back in it once Villa got the second either it was, I don't know it was weird for a team that you know confidence is still got to be fairly high even if I know you know, personnel changes aren't great at the minute. I would have, you know, I would have probably picked Wolves and Villa. What was the game before that as well? It says three in a row. Chelsea. Chelsea, that was the Chelsea one. There wasn't a game in between. Yeah. So I probably would have, because of what happened in that Chelsea game, I probably would have picked Wolves and Villa. It's only because actually, the ironic thing is Spurs were probably better than I thought, certainly in the first half of both those games, that I'm looking at it as a bit of a disappointment and they maybe should have got a result. Uh, my my thing was that if you are setting up with that back four, then I would have someone alongside uh, Benton Kerr that is more defensively astute. I, I would I would maybe drop my defensive line 
five yards and work your way into the game because if you don't get those early chances then you do have to once the Villa have the goal ruled out for being half a yard offside then I say okay maybe yeah yeah maybe I need to address things here before it happens again and, and they didn't they basically like Villa did banked on tucking away more of their chances and Son forgot the offside rule yeah yeah when I when I said I might have argued some of the Spurs offsides earlier, I was uh, really stretching it. They were that, Wat- that Watkins the one. <laughs> they had the one angle that he looked blatantly offside, and then they showed another angle. And it was like, well, he's clearly onside, and then they draw the lines on the one where it's like, well, I wouldn't have picked that one to do it because one looks so side on. They had no history of doing that. At the, the, their the, games this year. Yeah, the, I don't like going on about it though, so I won't bring it up. Well, we we were all prepared to say. Good for that. So what's right is right. <laughs> and then they gave us reason not to. And the most side on angle you'll see this season is the uh, Garnacho one against us. And you can't debate any offside call without them going, didn't say that with our one, though. <laughs> Did you? I would, as a wider point, I, um, down the line, I may agree with you on the, on that about Spurs. Because on paper, I would have gone, yeah, because of the personality, you've got to be a bit more conservative. I just watched these games. I didn't think that Spurs were too cavalier or too gung-ho and that cost them in this instance. I just thought Wolves kind of got undone by a special goal, but nearly hugging for a very good result and they didn't. And then Villa but then they were taking chance in the first half. They were shipping chances against Wolves though as well. Yeah, it's true. And Wolves, some, were, some Wolves were good value well, yeah. where they probably should have got something. But when you're putting the team like they were and they were what, one nil up till about 89 minutes Yeah, I'm probably not going to keen the manager too much for that at some point I'm just going to go to the players you had to hang in there is Emerson Royal a better centre-back than Eric Dyer? I mean that's got to be you've got to be questioning yourself <laughs> when he's getting games so just just some strange uh, strange picks in there but hey he's the one seeing them on a it's a hell of a lot on a daily basis we're not even sure that Dyer's better than him, but how far this guy was getting in England squad. So we're now saying he might not be better than Emerson Royale, who's a bad right back playing centre back. Carl Jenkinson got an England cap. I saw that again the other day. Um, also, when you, times. when you have lost two on the spin, why is he still firing shots, Ange? What did I mean, you say? I'm happy he was firing shots at Ten Hag. What did you say? Ten Hag spoke in the week about. Um, you know, I wasn't brought in to play the IX way. I don't have the players to play the IX way. And he said, I keep hearing managers talking about not having the players to play a certain style of football. Just do it, mate. <laughs> via mate on the end of it. So that's class. Give man, get into him. But then you can't lose three on the spin when you're doing it. <laughs> well, you can't. Especially United have, what, United have won. Like, I'm beating in six now. They're the form team in the league, yeah. Um, you can do it, but it's, Maybe you can't be the sort of warm, cuddly, isn't isn't Ange great sort of uh, persona? Chatting to, chatting to the mail with their uh, anti-abuse campaign. How no one else sees the fucking irony in the mail leading a campaign against <laughs> targeted abuse is something else. And then the people they've got on board, Ange and Eddie Howe pulling his... Bloody hell. How saying uh, it's embarrassing seeing some of the behaviour of people on the touchline while he's got <laughs> like your assistant, yeah, maybe that prick over his shoulder. 
Man City next for Spurs. Maybe he just can't get rid of Tindall and this is it. He's just in, inadvertently having to go in on him. It's a, it's a win-win-win um, for this Spurs-City game. Oh yeah, they've got... That's this weekend in... That's tough. What slot's that in? Is that Sunday? That's it's... Sunday, yeah. Newcastle United is a late one on Saturday, isn't it? Who, who knew Newcastle would be in the 5.30? And then they've got West Ham <laughs> after that, and then they've got Newcastle after that, Spurs. Tough run. Rough times so when, uh, incoming. When their fans said basically that Chelsea game just murdered their whole season, I thought it was an reaction. <laughs> Turns out they might have been right. Well, the, some of the reports, not Spursy anymore. Um, power shift in uh, North London. Times have uh, changed. Can Villa really challenge for top four? Emery said, Emery said there's seven better teams in the league. Was it six? Six or seven, he said. Blimey. Uh, I mean... I've named them. <laughs> That's... Uh... And they've got Arsenal and City in the, in the next three weeks. Another 5.31 for us at Villa Park. I hope he's not like that brutally honest and like his personal life. <laughs> his wife said, how do I look tonight? I like, well, there's six better looking women in this restaurant here tonight, love. Uh, yeah, he's right. I don't think they will... Um... Especially if Europe tends to have a bit more of an effect as the season goes on, so that might come into play a little bit more for them. Uh, they might give up on that, but I don't think he will. So, and when you consider, we tend to think that United, even Chelsea, have had like a disaster start, and they're still kind of in touching distance. Certainly, oh, United are. This United, then this United stuff have only six points off the, or four points off the top four of it. So. At the same pace, you'll be eight points off the top four coming into the season. Like, what are we supposed to be doing with this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this when this is their good form technically. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Interesting. I think I saw a thing saying are they a point better off or worse yeah. off than it was yeah. last year? So yeah, it's, it's an interesting sort of. We're look. pretty much the same, mind you. When we said last year, you're only there because other teams are shit. That was seen as out of order. So. Um, if I can ask you to hold on to your seat while I uh, ask this. I saw a tweet today that said Ollie Watkins was the modern day Jermaine Defoe. <laughs> I wanted to ask your thoughts on that. What does that even mean? In what way is he Jermaine Defoe? I'm asking you. Jermaine Defoe known as like a clinical finisher. What are you trying to say about Ollie Watkins? I'm saying Ollie Watkins probably gives you a lot more of different aspects. A lot more different aspects than Jermaine Defoe. I don't know if I would call him prolific. Okay. His numbers will be good by the end of the season, but I don't know if you're calling him a natural finisher. There's your answer. Um, I, I really like Jermaine Defoe, but at the same time, also I was also outraged at the idea he's going to go in the Premier League Hall of Fame, so I don't really know... You know, I reckon Watkins is getting the Premier League Hall of Fame. Carries on going. He's going to get the golden boot this year, I told you. Harland gets taken out. He's not allowed. Only Watkins. Um, I don't know if you're going to put your mic down to applaud Garnacho for that goal yesterday, but... That shinny. Certainly deserved some applause uh, that we clearly aren't giving here. A unified Goodison Park in protest, only for the goal of the season to be dropped on their heads within three minutes is... Very uh, evident. Prime Barclays, uh, as they say. <laughs> best overhead kick ever in the league? Um, I'm, uh, people are saying best overhead kick ever, which seems to be being entertained, which is a Bold one for me, but we've got best goal ever to some people. It's it's wild. Uh, Is it in the conversation for either of those for you? The best over a kick you've seen, or the best over a kick you've seen in the league? Um, 
I do think it's better than the Rooney one, which I've always felt slightly overhyped. Maybe that Sky advert did it. The occasion as well. Yeah, and yeah, Rooney, it's it's fair enough. The I know how this is going to sound. I think Emre Chan's one is right up there, to be honest, against Watford. Am I crazy in saying the Benteke one against United? Yeah. It's, I think you've got to factor in that's Benteke doing that. I think you have to. <laughs> Look at his goal-scoring record next to Rashford's would be something I would ask people to uh, all go and take a look at. <laughs> literally, Tyler literally kiboshed the Benteke <laughs> goal. A, bit, a good bit of commentary on that could change its life. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's... The most recent thing is always the best thing, isn't it? Um, I think it's right up there. But uh, Neville's kind of just on that at the minute, isn't he? Like, he's gone from thinking Trent is just a disaster to, well, this is the best right back the, in the world. So, well, the on, right, the right back. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Carragher said tonight can't that keep up it's better than uh, the Rooney one as well. I think it is. I think it's a little bit better than the Rooney one. Uh, I just think the comparison about it ever. I think people will go like, well, if you take out the fact it was a Champions League final, the Bale one, that's a pretty big thing to take out, one. And two, I actually do think it's just a better, mainly because with him, the angle that it's coming at for him as a lefty, I think is harder to hit than Garnacho on that one. Even though I appreciate he has to go backwards, which makes it really difficult. Bale also has to a little bit, and it's on the wrong side for him. A little bit why the uh, the Emery Chan one sticks in my mind against Watford probably means nothing to anyone who isn't a Liverpool fan. But the, I watched it back here. The thing that was impressive about that one was that it's a pretty central ball. So that's really difficult to be able to get a bicycle going on a ball that's relatively flat through the middle. That's the only reason why I thought that one was uh, impressive as well. And not because I'm a Liverpool fan, obviously. Is there an argument that the Ibrahimovic one against England is the best ever? These people have been brainwashed by Ibra. It's, that know, one might be the most difficult of all of them. Keep us too far out of the goal. There's a defender on the line that somehow goes over his head as well. I don't know who the defender is. It might be Eric Dyer. It might be Eric Dyer. It probably is. I think it might be Eric Dyer on the line. You get points off for it being Eric Dyer. No, very good goal. But I just thought it was a... It was pretty classic Zlatan where something's very, very good and his sort of uh, disciples will tell you it's the best thing you've ever seen. Is it? I don't know if it is. I was debating whether to follow through with my stance that the uh, Ronaldo one is slightly overrated, but I might save that for another day. Wait for Connor's on or something. Do you um, remember people crying about Ronaldo's one being better than Bale's one on the basis that they just like Ronaldo more than Bale? Yeah. Huh? Fair enough. Kobe Mainu looked good he in was this great. game. I thought he was really good. Not a good look for Amrabat to be behind both him and Muxorsi, uh in this team. Again, that's a weird situation where you've brought him in and on loan fortunately looks like you don't trust him pretty clearly uh, that which, Carabao Cup game against whoever it was where some of this stuff on my timeline <laughs> but was that the game when he stuck him at left back or is that I don't think so I think they had him and Casemiro because the one game when they threw him at left back yeah. it wasn't good it's like well that was a league cup as come well come on the, uh, yeah I thought mainly especially in first half where I didn't think United actually looked that good. I thought he looked pretty much the only player showing some composure on the ball. Keane spoke about it at half-time that basically he looked like he had time on the ball always. Obviously, always a good sign, especially for a young player. Uh, he didn't look overawed by it. Did a fire with which he revved up that Spursy after their game. Did you see that? And that was like, how 
like loosely are we using this adjective now, Roy? Because basically Spursy is just now being used for anything bad. Because normally it's supposed to be about you bottling it or throwing something away. This was just their missing chances in a half where they dominated. He's like, Spursy. It's like he couldn't wait to get it out the uh, out the gun. I liked his um, after the game where he said uh, he used to be embarrassed about being sixth in the league. Now it's only four points off the uh, top four. He was playing the hits, wasn't he? Keane was playing the hits. He knew what we came for. Um, Ashley Young remains atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> Any criticism Deutsch may have had for the penalty, which I don't know how he could have in the first place, but he has to put that in the back pocket when they let Ashley Young stay on or maybe do him a favour and get him suspended for Seamus Coleman to come in in his place. <laughs> Some young legs. Yeah, you could have done him a favour and took him out back. I mean, he needs putting up to pasture, I think. the um, I couldn't believe... I didn't think it looked like a dive in real time. I couldn't believe the ref gave it. Like, Neville was like, yeah, he's got that well, mark. The ref gave we know it, he does, but I didn't... I thought, oh, okay. And then... I, I thought it looked like what it was. And Ashley Young stuck a leg out. I thought he looked pretty guilty quite quickly. <laughs> and... Uh, when the hands go up that quick. Yeah. And the other thing was... The, I initially did think, oh, well, because he's given the card, then they're not going to be able to look at it and they've been done. Obviously, because of the penalty, they uh, they look back into it. I think, yeah, that, for example, is genuinely VAR actually working. So you've gone, we've given the penalty. He doesn't need another punishment because the penalty is enough. That's where double jeopardy does come into play because he's not, it's not a dangerous one. Like, Romero nearly kills someone in the box. So that made a lot of sense. So then when Deitch is on the sideline going, this is embarrassing, it's a joke. It's where managers just kind of undermine themselves because when it means you are the boy to cry wolf. When you have a legitimate complaint, people will overlook it. And I, I realise a Liverpool fan saying this, yeah, my own manager's done that. Rashford getting uh, Havertz sympathy penalties. <laughs> Not a good look. And that maybe tells you where he is. Um, it was a great pen though. It was a great pen. But I, you, you could have been forgiven for not knowing he was on the pitch if that penalty hadn't been taken. Yeah, if it weren't for that um, ginger barnet, you wouldn't have had a clue. The uh, Odd that. Look, when, when your confidence is low, let me tell you, that's not the way out. That's <laughs> not the way to uh, pick yourself back up. The, um, I thought it was also, it was good leadership by Bruno and a slightly selfless thing that I didn't think he really had in the locker. But then, as with most things, straight away, it was said so much. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. It wasn't. I'm sick of this. And well, Roy Keane blasting for it doesn't really help. I thought it was a it was a good move. I think Rashford might need more than a penalty at the minute, but it was it's a positive step. Chris Sutton was slagging us off for doing it after we let Fabio Vieira take one, where he obviously just creates this made up scenario that I can't think who it was. Someone's on a podcast with him. He's like. You seem to have just made this entire scenario up in your head. He was like, so what happens? It's it's the last day of the season and um, Arsenal need to win to win the league and they get a penalty and it's Ben White's Goldfish's birthday. Do so they let him take the penalty? <laughs> I saw penalty. this, yeah. actually, yeah. And whoever it's on is like, that's quite a, quite a scenario. And it's also <laughs> quite an easy, no, well, yeah. no, they wouldn't do that, no. Um, obviously, we got full confidence in Saka taking that one. Obviously. Other questions from around the league, just to close us out. Is Vincent Company the worst manager ever in the league? He's coming for Frank De Boer. 13 games and four points. The win was a sneaky one against Luton. Yeah. Yeah. If, um, 
you wouldn't back them over Luton at the minute if they had a game either, would you? No, they, they're not learning from their mistakes. Happy for Rob Edwards and Luton getting their win. Plucky old Luton. Yeah, Kenny. They, they look like they are sort of getting to grips with it a little bit as well. A real pass by Ogbené, I think it was, yeah. for the opener there. Yeah, great really ball. good. Yeah, it does look like they're sort of getting to grips with it. I wonder if the, they are going to do what Sheffield United have now done, whereby some games you think, right, they're right in this and it's close and they probably lose or draw or whatever. Uh, and another game they get smashed. It's going to be just whether you can get enough of those those performances because, yeah, Sheffield United, some of these games you thought they've had a right go in, a right at it. And then like at the weekend, you're like, they may as well have not turned up here. A Burnley- Against Bournemouth as well, you go, that's a big game, home to Bournemouth for you, that's yeah. huge. And you go down 3-0, it's not... A Burnley basically saying, boy, he was good in the Championship. We might be back in the Championship. We may as well stick with him. I think he's got a lot of people like him, credit in the bank, which gets you a couple of games. Um, because of how they played, I guess they'll go, we'll back ourselves to get back up and take the parachute payment. But bearing in mind, obviously, especially Sheffield United, we get hammered for this when they came up, that basically they go, oh, they just accepted, they'll go yeah. down and collect the money. Wouldn't be a great look if Burnley did that. No. Um, Poch said it was Chelsea's worst performance since he came in. Thiago Silva, horrible. That one that he tries flicking and Gordon just points and laughs in his face is so bad. <laughs> we're That's now, a retirement picture. And we're now down to a 10% win ratio for Enzo when he starts in the Premier League. Ouch. A hundred odd million doesn't get you what it used to. No. In fact, they could have waited to the summer, tried to enter the uh, Mr. Basmati sweepstakes. I'm pretty sure I know which way he still chooses, but... Could have at least given us a bit more competition. Only uh, the league champions we had uh, competing with us. They didn't want him. No, I think you, they've never missed out on a transfer. No one's probably more grateful for how bad he looks than uh, Caicedo, who's getting off very lightly because uh, <laughs> Enzo's stealing the show there. It's weird with Chelsea where there was this real like wave of optimism just because of getting like, picking up a couple of results and then just get squashed as soon as they get a bad loss like this probably going to be a season of that they're probably going to have a couple of wins I don't know who they've got coming up but yeah. probably won't be as difficult as the new Newcastle away so they'll pick up a couple of results and they'll have people coming back from injuries that means you think they're going to do something but maybe that's just having a young team like this is always going to do that last two things and then we'll call it a day uh, Deserby runs onto the pitch in celebration uh, Lewis Dunk called Anthony Taylor a bellend uh, reportedly and uh, Evan Ferguson continues to be a bagsman which of those do you want to unpick? I think we could do a whole pod on Lewis Dunk calling uh, calling Rafa bellend I saw someone say uh, starting to feel sorry for Anthony Taylor now never in my life wore those words <laughs> leave my mouth who do you think would express sympathy for Anthony Taylor first you or Jack? <laughs> Me, um, <laughs> but th- there will not be any situation in which I will ever feel sorry for a Premier League referee. As with most things in life, it's if someone calls you Bella and Prick or whatever, you've really got to investigate first. Did I deserve this? <laughs> and then you go, well, fair enough. That's fair game. My favorite. If you just search Lewis Dunk, um, it's just all different um, interpretations of lip reading what Dunk is calling him. <laughs> <laughs> Bellend got- was um, the most PC one that uh, I, I could use. Um, 
quite a distinctive lip read, I would assume. If you can't pick out that one, maybe it's not for you. Well, the, the clip is, um, and it, it looks like, I can't think who it is. There's a Brighton player that chases down Anthony Taylor and you see him go, call me a bellend. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Brighton player is kind of like... Um, finally, three wins in five now from Bournemouth to give uh, Iriola some breathing room. Living up to that hype he was uh, given pre-season. Absolutely. The, um, the interesting thing, you heard some of the players talk about it after the game saying like, look, we've kind of, he's been telling us what to do, the philosophy or whatever. It's just been a case of us actually working out what he wants and, and doing it. So seems like they're behind him. My only concern for him going into the season was they had a bit of a difficult start. If you look at the fixtures and I thought a manager like him probably has to get them on board pretty sharpish because you don't have a huge CV we don't know you necessarily over here, even if people think you've got a growing reputation. It's not, you know, a well-known manager coming in. And the guy before was popular and did a decent job. Yeah. So you've got a few things going against you. And if you don't get them on board quickly, you can lose them. But uh, it seems like they stuck with him. I don't think there's a lot of quality in the squad, but the fact that they're starting to sort of actually imprint his style of play means uh, they should be able to get somewhere now. There's definitely some worse teams down there than you would think my guy Philip Billing in there uh, my guy don't let that, that record show there's a couple of six pointers they've won in there as well so yeah they big, aren't... a couple of big results let's yeah. face it if one of those had gone the other way yeah. he might have got sacked so well that does bring us to a close so uh, thank you for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod Will Harper be back with us this week uh, next week who knows to be honest with you um, <laughs> he might be celebrating next year's birthday in advance We'll be there though. See you then. Adios. Samina mina, eh eh, waka waka, eh eh, 60 million down the drain. Kai Havertz scores again. <laughs>